رسول يلا كريم أما بعد الحمد لله tonight is the 23rd of November in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we've completed the third week the 21st night that we're going through the illustrious life of the blessed companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and I spent a few sessions in which I'm highlighting his incredible thirst for the sacred knowledge and the last thing I mentioned was when our beloved messenger offered him anything from the spoils and he simply responded let me have from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you of knowledge in Al-Isaba volume 7 page 204 so the bounties of the world were meaningless to him as compared to sacred knowledge his rank and virtue in this regard can also be gauged from the following report so Sayyidina Abu Hurairah himself he relates that our beloved messenger said no one will learn one two three four or five words from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory and then having learned them he thereupon teaches them but he will then enter paradise Sayyidina Abu Huraira added radiyallahu thus I did not forget any hadith after having heard it from Rasulullah so this is recorded Abu Nu'im graded Hassan and Targhib number 60 so in this report the Prophet was encouraging all the believers to learn and he mentioned numbers he started with the lowest number one he goes up to five because whoever learns five things from what Allah has made obligatory and once you've learned that you then teach it you share that knowledge because that will take you to paradise so look at the incredible virtue of sharing knowledge but then Abu Huraira said thus I did not forget any hadith after hearing it from Rasulullah so how do you reconcile so he probably heard this from the Prophet first then he went through requesting the Prophet for him not to forget so note if he has related more than 5,000 then what is his virtue you know as promised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thus subhanallah how many countless times has this most noble soul secured his place in that most glorious of abodes and also consider Abu Hurairah he relates that our beloved messenger said the best sadaqah is that a Muslim learns knowledge and then teaches it to his Muslim brother subhanallah the best sadaqah is that a Muslim learns knowledge and then teaches it to his Muslim brother. This is in Ibn Majah, graded Hassan, Tarveeb number 61. So again, note who's narrating these reports? Abu Huraira. So obviously they're famous hadiths. But who's narrating them? Abu Huraira narrates it from the Prophet And what did he say is afdalus sadaqah is that a Muslim learns knowledge and teaches it to his Muslim brother. So this is called tabligh. You're not talking to non-Muslims. You're, you're sharing it with others. And 
How great is that? It, the Prophet said, it is the best sadaqah. So notice, not dinars and dirhams. It is knowledge that you share, which is the greatest thing you could share with your Muslim brothers and sisters. Again, those would be fair to say that Sayyidina Abu Huraira has the greatest share of this most exalted form of charity. So think about that. We know, narrating the hadith. So don't you think he's going to be the first to act upon him? So how much sadaqah did he share? The most. Because the Prophet was telling you the best sadaqah is you learn and you share it with your Muslim brothers and sisters. He has the greatest share of that sadaqah. So note again, the more you learn, the more you got access to this sadaqah given by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala graciously. Indeed, and also again there's, there's reports. For instance, there's a report in Behaki and Mishkat where the Prophet said, that Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He is the most generous. Then I am the most generous. And then the one who has knowledge and shares it, He is the most generous. And then the report continues. So who is the third? After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger, who is the most generous? Again, not, it's not wealth, it's knowledge. So note again, when you're sharing your knowledge, Yes, you're benefiting others, but you are benefiting yourself far more. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, shaitan puts into their hearts, what's the point of sharing your knowledge? And then he starts putting all these thoughts into your head, saying that they don't deserve to hear your knowledge. You went through all this and that, but that's his trick. The response is, I'm benefiting myself when I share knowledge. I'm, obviously, I want to benefit my brothers and sisters, but first and foremost, it's me. Yeah, subhanAllah. Indeed, Abu Huraira radiallahu he would thus stick to our beloved messenger like glue. The majestic man himself said, radiallahu I was always by his side. When he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, went to his wives, I went with him. I always helped him. Indeed, I stayed with him during his journeys to Hajj and jihad. This is recorded in Al-Isaba, volume 7, page 441. So look how he's describing his relationship with the Prophet Because I was always with him, like a shadow. Because when he went to his family, I went with him, meaning I was there to serve him. I helped him on journeys to Hajj and Jihad. So this is important. Even though his mother prevented him from Jihad, he would still occasionally go on Jihad. It's not as if his mother completely prevented him. So he himself mentioned here, I was with the Prophet on jihad, I was serving him. Thus, one finds many unusual and remarkable narrations on the authority of this most noble man. The irony of which, tragically, many use the very same reports to slander him. As will be mentioned later, inshallah. So look how tragic. You know, people say, why is it that only Abu Huraira narrates this hadith? You know, how many times you hear people say that? He goes, no, the Sahaba narrated. He goes, how come he's the only one who narrates? And the response is, he was like the Prophet, like a shadow. So obviously he's going to hear things that nobody else hears. And the irony of which is, instead of praising him, you're finding fault with him. Thus, due to the prophetic miracle, the prophetic du'as, and the constant attendance of our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani went on to say, The Muhaddithin Rahimahumullah have therefore called him the companion with the highest retentive power. This is in Al-Isaba, volume 7, page 202. So think about that. So what was the cause of his phenomenal memory? Rasulullah's miracle, the cloak, Rasulullah's dua, his constant attendance with the Prophet, and what did that produce? Amir al-Mu'mineen of Hadith, Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani said, that the Muhaddithi, meaning the greatest scholars of Hadith, they have called Abu Huraira the companion with the highest retentive power because he is the most formidable or phenomenal uh, memorizer of the hadith of the Prophet Thus, what better way to describe this most blessed man's accumulation of the sacred knowledge than in the following blessed hadith. Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Abu Huraira is a vessel of knowledge and Salman is a sea of knowledge which is not perceived by many. This is recorded in Qurtubi in his Tafsir, volume 1, page 39 of the English translation. So it's part of a long report, but the relevant part, the Prophet how did he describe Abu Huraira? Because he's a vessel of knowledge. In other words, because he's been blessed with immense knowledge. And he describes Salman as a sea of knowledge. But then he added, which many don't realize. <laughs> In other words, they don't know that he's actually carrying this incredible knowledge. So the prophetic description of Abu Huraira is he is a vessel of knowledge. And even in English, when you say this person is a vessel of knowledge, what does that mean? It, doesn't mean, it just means that he's got tremendous knowledge. It's a figure of speech. <laughs> so obviously, the Prophet himself was highlighting Abu Huraira's greatness in this area, radiyallahu his eagerness to acquire the sacred knowledge knew no bounds. A fact which was attested to by no other than Rasulullah himself. Where? In Sayyid Bukhari, number 99, in the chapter on knowledge, Sayyidina Abu Huraira, he relates, I once asked, Ya Rasulullah, Man as'adun nasi bi shafa'atika yawm al-qiyamah. Who will be the luckiest, the happiest person who will gain your intercession on the Day of Judgment? Mm. The Prophet said, لَقَدْ زَنَنْتُ يَا أَبَا هُرَيْرَةَ أَنْ لَا يَسْعَلَنِي أَنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَحَدًا أَوَّلَ مِنْكَ لِمَا رَعِيْتُ مِنْ حِرْسِقَ عَلَى الْحَدِيثِ I assumed, O Abu Hurairah, that nobody would ask me about it before you. As I know your insatiable eagerness to learn the ahadith. The luckiest, happiest person who will have my intercession on the day of judgment will be the one. Manqala, manqal la ilaha illallah khalisan min qalbihi aw nafsi. Is the one who says there is no God who has the right to be worshipped except Allah sincerely from his heart. And his soul. So let's look at this. So the hadith is famous. But there's a part within it which explains Abu Huraira's greatness. So what was the question? Like I mentioned yesterday, what did Obey ibn Iqab say? He goes, Abu Huraira would ask questions we wouldn't ask because he was brave. 
So here's an example. He goes, Ya Rasulullah, who is the luckiest person who will gain your intercession? Now look how interesting. He wasn't talking about the righteous. <laughs> so what he's really asking for is, who is that person who is basically, you can't get more fortunate than him. <laughs> he should be doomed. <laughs> but he's something that saved him. Because who is that person who, will, who is entitled to your intercession? Before the Prophet answered, what did he say? SubhanAllah. لَقَدْ زَنَنْتُ يَا أَبَا هُرَيْرَ I assumed, O Abu Huraira, أَنْ لَا يَسْعَلَنِي أَنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَحَدًا That nobody will ask me about this before you. أَوَّلَ مِنْكَ لِمَا رَعِيرْتُ مِنْ حِرْسِقَ عَلَى الْحَدِيثِ As I know your insatiable eagerness to learn the hadith. <laughs> Look at the amazing praise he gave. He said, I thought it's going to be you. <laughs> In other words, because I, I wanted one of my companions to ask me about who's going to be the most fortunate. And I assumed that it's going to be you. Why? Because of your hills. Your hills of hadith. A hills is a very interesting word. What does it mean in, uh, in the Indian subcontinent? Hills is normally a negative. It means that you are after something which really you, you're not entitled to. Like hills, you know, like somebody's land. Hills. The Prophet used that word, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as a positive for Abu Huraira. But where was his, his hills? His hills was hadith. So this is the problem. You go to the English, you miss all that. Eager for hadith. Eager. Did the Prophet say eager? He said, hills, insatiable, avarice for the hadith. Because I noticed that. Then after praising him, he gave the answer. The luckiest, happiest person who will have my shafa on the day of judgment is the one who says, la ilaha illallah, but there's two conditions. Khalisan min qalbihi o nafsi. Sincerely from his heart and his soul. So you can't just go to a person and say, Brother, say, La ilaha illallah. Yeah, you're saved. <laughs> well, has he said it from his heart? Has he said it sincerely? No, then it's not going to benefit him. Whoever sincerely says it, he's going to be the most fortunate. So look how amazing the Tawheed is. They will be the most fortunate who will be saved by the Shafa of the Prophet. So this eagerness should thus really not come as any surprise. Why? Because Abu Huraira himself said, knowing a ruling relating to a command or prohibition is more beloved to me than fighting in even 70 battles in the path of Allah. SubhanAllah. Recorded by Hafiz al-Khatib in his Al-Faqi, 1-16, Hafiz ibn Rajab in his Waratatul Anbiya, alayhi salatu wasalam, page 35 of the English translation. And think about that. Somebody goes, do you know the ruling? So this is a, you know, a, a fatwa or a hukum. He goes, knowing a ruling, either something obligatory or something which is prohibited, is more beloved to me, Abu Huraira said, than doing 70 jihads. So a person goes, what, hey, what did he say? He goes, it's more beloved to me than 70 jihads. So what was he trying to express in words? He was trying to express his insatiable avarice for knowledge. He goes, you don't realize what Allah has put into my heart. He goes, you know, I just can't get enough of sacred knowledge. 
So he truly was one of the epitomes of the hadith, Talib the seeker of knowledge. We also humbly beg our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala for a fraction of the prophetic legacy. Amen. So now, moving on to the next section, entitled, His Grief Over Those Who Doubted His Trustworthiness. So think about that. There's people on the earth in history, now and also in the future, who've doubted or will doubt this man's trustworthiness. Being the most prolific narrator of the sacred hadith, while spending just four short years or so with our beloved messenger, naturally caused skepticism amongst others, especially those who were or are not acquainted with his majestic life. So this is the first point. If you don't know nothing about his life except this, he spent four years with the Prophet and he's the most prolific narrator of hadith. What shaitan and inject straight into you? <laughs> Doubts. He goes, hey, some sahaba spent 23 years full term with the Prophet. Some spent, you know, double figures. And this companion spent four years, give or take, and he narrates the most hadith. Why are you talking like this? Because you are not acquainted with his life. So this is the first problem. Those, let's go through this steadily. Firstly, a few of the noble companions would be amazed at the number of hadith that Sayyidina Abu Huraira would relate. And they would thus often question him with regards to this more serious and weighty matter. So it is true. Starting with the companions themselves, they would be astounded by his narrative. And they would question him. So here's an example. So this is recorded in Sayyid Muslim. Ahmed in his Musnad, number 7276, 7277, Sahih. Our beloved mother, Sayyidah Aisha, radiyallahu anha, she said, Do you not feel surprised Abu Huraira? He came and sat beside the nook of my chamber and he began to narrate a hadith. I was hearing this whilst I was engaged in extolling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He then stood up before I finished my repetition of subhanallah. If I were to meet him again, I would warn him in stern words that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa did not speak as quickly as he does. <coughs> Stop in the report. So Aisha, her chamber is where Rasulullah lays buried. So Abu Huraira was a resident of Al-Madinah and he's outside the chamber and he's narrating hadiths. So Hazrat Aisha, she's hearing him and he's narrating and he's narrating, he's not stopping. Hazrat Aisha is doing her zikr. She goes, if I wasn't doing my zikr, I would have rebuked him because he's narrating quickly, unlike the Prophet. The report continues. When news of this reached Abu Huraira, he said, People say that Abu Huraira transmits so many ahadith 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the reckoner. And they also say, what is wrong with the muhajir and ansar, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, that they do not narrate a hadith like him. So what's the first thing Abu Huraira said? He goes, I've heard two complaints. <laughs> One is people say Abu Huraira narrates too many hadiths. Then he goes, Allah Ta'ala is reckoning. <laughs> then he said, people say, what's wrong with the muhajir and the ansar? They don't narrate hadith like him. Abu Huraira continued, radiyallahu I will inform you, my brothers from the Ansar, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, they remain busy with their lands. And my brothers from the Muhajids, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, remain busy in their transaction in the markets. I, however, remain busy with Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whereas naturally they now had been absent due to their commitments. I retained in my mind. They have forgotten. To stop in the report. So he's answering these objections. He goes, the Ansar, they were busy with their lands. So they were. They had orchards. So obviously you have to tend to them. The Muhajirun were busy with their business transactions. They were doing the business. And what did he say? I was busy with the Rasulullah. <laughs> because you can actually see in between the lines that he's not happy with this. Then he said, I retained. They were not there. Or they forgot. Then he mentioned the miracle of the clock, which I won't repeat. So he actually mentioned the clock. Then he added, If it were not for two verses in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I would not have narrated anything. So what did he say? This is quite shocking. He's actually saying that he doesn't get pleasure from narrating. In fact, he's fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the only reason I'm narrating to you is because there's two verses in the Quran. He then decided, Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 159. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلْنَا مِنَ الْبَيَّنَاتِ وَالْهُدَى مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا بَيَّنَّاهُ لِلنَّاسِ فِي الْقِتَابِ Verily, those who concealed the clear proofs, evidence and guidance that we have revealed after we have made it clear for the people in the book they are indeed then the ones cursed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and cursed by those entitled to curse. So Abu Huraira, he concluded by saying, these two verses are what is making me narrate to you. And what does Allah Ta'ala warn? He warns the believers, those who conceal the clear proofs, evidence and guidance. After we have made it clear, they are cursed by Allah and cursed by those who curse. In other words, I have to relate because this is, my, this is a duty upon me. So now a few things about this hadith. First is authentic and Sayyid Muslim. 
What does Allah the Almighty and Glorious, who is he referring to when he says, and cursed, and cursed by those entitled to curse. Allah the last curse is enough. But he mentions somebody else. Yes. Our beloved messenger himself clarified, Allah inun refers to all animal life that moves on the earth. This is in Ibn Majah, Qurtubi, Ma'rifu quran volume 1, page 413 of the English translation. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? If you hide the clear proofs that I've given to you, after I've made it clear, I curse you and all life clinging to the earth curses you. Because that's why I'm narrating to you. So let's take a few lessons to finish from this blessed hadith. Firstly, these words of Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu provide another endless clear proof of the fact that just as the noble Qur'an is the revealed word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the same way the words and deeds of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa have a divine sanction behind them. Why? Abu Huraira wasn't hiding the Qur'an. Why is he quoting this verse about the hadith? So some fruitcakes, they say, oh, you can't hide the Qur'an. Which person hides the Qur'an? So what's Allah talking about? Those who conceal the clear proofs. Abu Huraira is mentioning is the hadith. So he goes, therefore the Quran is testifying that the hadith are revelation as well. Second lesson. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu therefore considered the concealment of the commands of the sunnah as grave as the concealment of the divine verses of the Quran. So imagine somebody says to you, he, he, he skips a surah. He goes from kafirun. So you go where's Surah Kawthar? And he goes, no, no, forget about Kawthar. How much of a crime is that? He's trying to conceal the surah of the Quran. Somebody goes, brother, I think that's Kawthar. Well, you can say that. That is how bad it is to conceal the hadith of the Prophet. That's what Abu Huraira is saying. Radiyallahu. But now there's a very important point here. Without this, you go down the garden's path. Imam Qurtubi, he commented here, in his tafsir, volume 1, page 408 of the English translation, the use of the words in the Quran, the use of the words, clear signs and guidance. Look at the verse. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Those who conceal the clear proofs, bayyanat, not the proofs, the clear proofs, Imam Qurtubi says, indicates it is allowed to conceal anything other than that. Especially when there is a fear of what its misunderstanding might provoke, in which case its concealment is even more emphatically encouraged. Fear of the consequence involved led Sayyidina Abu Huraira himself to do precisely that, which I'll mention at the relevant time. Then Imam Qurdubi said, Our scholars say that the part which Abu Huraira did not disseminate on account of which he feared fitna or that he himself might be killed was knowledge which was connected to fitna, information about apostates and hypocrites and other such things which are not 
connected to clear signs and guidance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So this is a very important clarification. It doesn't mean that a scholar has to relay everything. He's only duty bound to relate what is clear. So somebody says what is clear? You've got to pray five prayers. You've got to know the rulings and regulations. Zakat, Hajj, something clear. If something does not fall under the ambit of clear and the Sheikh fears that by elaborating upon this you might be confused then he doesn't need to relate that. If a person goes Astaghfirullah, the Sheikh is condemned. Allah is telling you in the Quran Surah 2 verse 159 that you have to relate. No, he's not. Allah is telling you he's warning the clear signs clear there's a critical word this is why the scholars you know for example Sayyidina Ali said do not relate and then frighten people from the divine message this is the meaning so what was he talking about you're relating something correct but he goes you're going to frighten people he goes do you want them to deny Allah and his messenger so for instance example if a person embraces Islam and in his previous life he was a Catholic and if he enters into Islam and you start talking about Tawassal seeking intermediation to get to Allah Subhanahu it's going to confuse the hell out of him. He's going to think I've just left that. Right? So a person goes no, no, but you've got to share it. No, you don't have to share it. In fact, don't stop. Why? Because you're going to frighten him from Allah and his messenger. So note here, this is the important point. Abu Huraira said, i got to share, but he was talking about the clear matters. And when I go through his life further on, you will note he was hiding certain things. So a person goes, there you go, he's cursed. What are you talking about? The one who's narrating the hadith doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not narrating that because he either feared for his life or he feared fitna. It will cause acceleration of fitna. If it was a clear thing, he's duty bound to explain. And even when I was going through a few of the sessions prior, what was the hadith that the Sahaba narrated on their deathbed? Those who say La ilaha illallah, the fire of hell is forbidden to them. And Mu'adi bin Jabal said, the, the reporter said, he narrated it on his deathbed for fear of concealing knowledge. So even the clear matter, he was scared. He was thinking, I've got to share it now because I'm now liable. And then his death belly goes, I'm telling you. Meaning don't misunderstand what the Prophet is telling me here. And this is the problem. If you go on to any of the social media sites, everything and everything's on. Guy comes because I'm completely confused with the use of why. He goes, this sheikh saying that, this sheikh saying this, he's saying it's haram, he's saying it's farad, he's saying... And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? Complete confusion. Right? So again, you need to be careful how to uh, understand this report from Sayyidina Abu Huraira. And one last thing. <coughs> Thirdly, it is also important to point out that our beloved mother Sayyida Aisha radiallahu was not opposed to Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu relating the sacred hadith, but only cautioned him with regards to the speed and continuity in which he was relating them. What did she say? 
He said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not speak as quickly as he speaks. So this is the problem. If you go through the hadith too quickly, you might interpret or in- add something to the hadith. You might even say, Aisha didn't trust Abu Huraira. Where does it say that? And you can just quote the hadith. Show me where he says it. She said, Rasulullah did not speak as quickly as he speaks. So what she was getting upset over was his pace. Because he needs to slow down, he needs to elaborate, people aren't maybe not hearing it. Our beloved mess, uh, mother was just clarifying that the blessed ahadith should be related slowly and distinctly in order that the listeners could understand and memorize them. This is why the scholars, they will sometimes mention the hadith three times. They'll mention it once, they'll mention it a second time. Then they'll go into it and then they'll go back to the hadith again. Why are they doing that? So they're making sure that you understand the hadith of the Prophet And it's very important if it's a difficult narration that you go through it a few times. So all I mentioned today, again, was related to Sayyidina Abu Huraira and the immense legacy that he had acquired, radiallahu, his insatiable knowledge, uh, his insatiable avarice to learn this. And the Prophet himself highlighted this at Allah And then I started the subsection now in which we're taking a glimpse into those who doubted his trustworthiness. I've started with the companions, but we'll go through inshallah the next few sessions. Are there any questions? Let us. Subhanallah <laughs>